Cougs house. All right, I'm pretty confident Houston's going to beat East Carolina today. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, a podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Anson. Here to break down all things Cougs. Uh, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you again. Remember, uh, when we get 750 subscribers, we're giving away one of those Galen Robinson-themed jackets, uh, the uh, Letterman jacket-style jackets that they made at Substantial. So make sure you subscribe down below. We'll make sure to get out those to people commenting. If, after you're listening to this, you have no idea what you want to say about East Carolina, Tell us whether or not you put mayonnaise on a hot dog. All right, this episode is a short bonus episode all about previewing the East Carolina basketball game on Saturday night. Um, not short and sweet to the point uh, in any way to disrespect East Carolina, but short and sweet to the point because it's going to be a Saturday. So in previewing this game, I want to take the first segment to talk about like East Carolina as a whole, kind of broadly look at their more schematic kind of stuff. Second segment is going to be a little bit more focused on some of the personnel, people, and coach. I should start off by saying that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America and an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, so first things first, East Carolina, I think, is the kind of team that um, looks worse on paper than I think they'll actually look in person. They are 14 and 13 um and at 14 and 13 i think like first probably like whoa that's not quite as many games as you should have played but remember they took a little bit of a hiatus at one point uh they're legendary they had like a long time standing play by play call named, i believe jeff charles uh he's passed away and they took a few days off postponed some games i don't know if they're going to end up actually making up some of those games or not we mentioned that actually on a previous episode looking at like past games or whatever for other teams, 14 and 13, uh, they're sadly in the bottom half of the conference. And I'm being honest, there was part of me look at some of the stats and it's like, oh, Houston might put up 100. So if they do, I'm not going to be surprised. I, it was looked like that kind of game statistically. Um, they've got several games that are breaking like the 18, 19, 20 turnovers, including their last meeting with SMU in Dallas. Uh, they turned the ball over 19 times. We saw what that SMU team looked like twice uh, in person as Houston fans, right? And so we're like, oh, we kind of stand what that pressure looked like. Uh, the press at the end of the game was, you know, ball pressure, but Houston was able to break it fairly efficiently. Um, East Carolina was not. <laughs> um, now, interestingly enough, um, they play at a relatively similar pace to Houston. They're playing about 67 and a half possessions a game. Houston playing about 64. So I think there's actually a fairly large gap in the rankings because that's kind of the middle of those two would be like league average, not league average, like national average. And so they play slightly faster than average and Houston plays slightly slower than average, but neither is out of that like middle quadrant of what I would call average as far as pace per game goes. Um, where I think Houston has a big advantage is in rebounding in this game. Um, they like to get after it on their own end on the offensive rebounds. They like to go after the ball which means that there will be kickouts for every rebound Houston does get because <laughs> we know Houston likes to uh, keep guys off the glass. The other thing is that um, they give up offensive rebounds on 28.6% of missed shots, which I was surprised to see is actually more like a national average, but Houston obviously plays well above that national average as offensive rebounding team and could really get a bunch of putbacks. I don't know if it'd be quite the same kind of putbacks and that kind of stuff you saw like Juwan Roberts get against Tulane, um, but I do think it'll be the kind of, you know, 
offensive rebound performance were like Houston. Houston, I mean, Samson said he likes to get 50% of their misses. This will be the kind of game where I'm imagining we're closer to two thirds of the misses. And that's happened several times across the season at this point for them. Um, schematically, I want to talk about the things they do on defense. I watched them play Memphis, a game that they uh, lost by 10. Um, they were up at points in that game. I watched them play USF. They won that one fairly handily. And then I watched parts of the SMU game. There's one like clips online um, to get rid of this. And then I also pulled up watching them play Cincinnati for a stretch because I was interested to watch um, the last few minutes of that game. And I didn't get to watch the full last few minutes of that game, but they were down by double digits Cincinnati in the last 10 minutes and came back and won that basketball game. Um, defensively, the thing I noticed I didn't think they could do that could hurt Houston is if Houston is not shooting the ball particularly well, they're going to shift in what's called a pack line. And what that means is, is it is a man defense. It is in every intent and purpose, every intent and purpose, I should say, a man defense. Um, but it will be so sagged off that it will look like a zone in a lot of ways because they're just trying to keep you out of the lane and make you beat them over the top. They did it against Memphis the entire game. They did it for stretches against South Florida. Um, and what they're doing there is they're saying, okay, until you prove that it's your day from behind the arc, we're going to make you shoot those. We're going to give you those, but to the, it's going to have to be like a kick across the paint. So like if I get the ball on the left wing, what they're trying to get me to do is drive in the lane into just a swarm of trees because they're all packed inside pack line and then kick it out. And the kick out three is open, <laughs> right? They're, they're giving that up and taking other shots away and saying, we don't think you can out shoot us on this day. Most days this season, that's been okay for Houston, but we've also seen days this year where like Kent state, a really good pack line might have beat Houston that day, right? Like that just at the end of the day, that's like, if you're not shooting very well, um, Houston finds ways to win. They find ways to win all year. Um, but strategically speaking, the best way to beat that is to shoot the ball well, <laughs> right? Like, and, and so the other ways to get the ball inside and then go like hide a little post and that kind of stuff and try and force the um, pack line to miss a rotation um, on a 45 cut and those kind of things. But I, um, I think that the truth is, is Houston's best bet is just to shoot the ball well. If Houston shoots the ball well, I don't know what defensive answers they have for Houston. Um, athletically, they just, um, they, they've got good athletes. And I don't mean to say this too negatively. They don't, they can't keep up. Um, simple stuff like four out, one in. Uh, ball screen, one, four high with a significant roller. Uh, we saw Juwan Roberts get some key roles on that, like, last couple of games. Um, you'll also see more like a yo-yo in and so like a, it's not a give and go because they hit the roller knowing that's the backside guy. So they hit the roller, they pull the tag and kick at the backside corner. Um, that kind of stuff happens so fast for Houston that I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what East Carolina can do to stop that. They're just not quite quick enough on that. They're similarly built in terms of size. Um, we'll get to more of the matchups in a second. So I don't think they're going to be, you know, Houston be able to overwhelm them with that. Not that Houston overwhelms much of anyone with size, um, but they, they're just, they're really, really athletic. Houston, that is. Um, offensively, what East Carolina likes to do is shoot the three ball. <laughs> 42% of their made field goals are threes. Um, that's the 56th best mark out of over 350 Division One colleges, right? So that's a, a really, really high mark, relatively speaking. Um, and frankly, they do a lot of catch and shoot threes. They have 56.7% uh, of their field goals made per game are off of assists. Again, it's constantly... Driving kick, driving kick, driving kick, driving kick. And because they're not very big, right? We're going to get to the matchups in a second. They're similarly built to Houston, though, right? A lot of guards, a couple of 6'8 posts. 
the driving kick ends up being a driving kick as opposed to an acrobatic finish to the rim because they don't have the length to finish at the rim. Now, what's nice for Houston about that is we've seen Houston be so athletic and quick that they can get out to the, you know, contest the jump shot. I bet Houston's uh, put to the test and in, in, put to the test in contesting three-point jump shots, right? Um, we've seen them struggle with that in the past. You know, some of the younger guys, Houston's got a really young team this year. I know it's hard to think because they're so good, but they do have a really young team this year. Um, will foul three-point shooters and running through them or be, not being able to avoid the contact when contesting. Um, and that will probably make Samson pull some more of his hair out. It's okay, Sam. Me too. I got hair missing too. Um, the nice thing about that for Houston, though, as their hard as their offense goes, is if you can if you can read where the ball's going on the driving kick, they kind of blindly do it. And in doing so, um, you've seen, again, like I mentioned, that SMU game, turnovers pile up really, really quickly. And um, you know you hope if you kind of have some indications to where they're going to go, you can get a hand in the passing lane, kick the ball out ahead for layup, et cetera, right? Um, I think the one thing to take away schematically, though, is this team, and we'll get to more about the coach, uh, Mike Schwartz, in a second in the second segment, but they have no quit. Like I mentioned in the Cincinnati game, one of the reasons I want to pull up the last few minutes of that one and watching stuff was they were down 10 points. A double, di- sorry, double digit points being closer to 15 points in the last 10 minutes and did not quit and came back to win that basketball game. Houston could be up 80 to 60 with 10 minutes. 80 is a lot of points maybe, but it could be up 15 points with 10 minutes left and this team will not quit. It is their home floor. They will feel like they can win until the final buzzer sounds. And so Houston needs to be ready to play that kind of game. We saw them get sloppy against SMU and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, I say that to say that mm, not the best game to get slap, sloppy, maybe not the best game to um, to take foot off the gas, right? Only got a handful more games in the regular season left. Might as well make sure we're doing things right. Before we get into the matchups and stuff in the second segment, I want to make sure we talk for a second about our buddies at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. It's our newest sports betting partner here at Locked On. We're really, really excited because it's just over the midway point of the NBA season. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel. You can get a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained and more. What I'm doing right now is I'm going to pull up what is the line for this game because, honestly, I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, I think it ought to be fairly... Uh, fairly one-sided we'll say the least um and i'm interested to see um if i look at this they got houston favored by 20 and a half points i told you guys that houston can score 100 um i don't know if they will they're on the road if there's a home game i feel more confident about that 100 they also have the over under set at 135.5 um i would take over 135.5 and i think i'm also going to take Oh, 20 and a half. They were like 22. I might take under. I'm going to, I'm going to take Houston and the point. I think they went the whole way across Houston by 20 and a half and over the 135.5. And I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel. FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance of bigger power. The same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get in your nose wet first bet up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets. And when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the N. A. All right. So I said in the second time I would look a little bit about at um, some of the personnel, but I think the first person to look at is uh, Mike Schwartz, their you know first season the head coach. And frankly, it's been their you know, a fairly interesting season to watch for them um, because they've navigated like the 
heart and emotional loss, the uh, the heart of the team and those kinds of things in this passing of the play-by-play guy. Again, that really was a cultural piece to the program. Um, they also kind of had dramatic shift in styles when Mike Schwartz came in. It is his first full year, though. He got hired in mid-March of last season, just after their season ended. Um, he spent seven years prior at Tennessee with a guy by the name of Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes and Kendall Sampson are very, very close. When Sampson was at Oklahoma, Barnes was at Texas. Um, really, really kind of built that Big 12 conference outside of Kansas. I was being a blue blood up in a lot of ways. Um, some really crazy battles between Barnes and Sampson. Great, great respect there. And Sampson was quick to point out this week in his availability that um, Barnes has high things to say about this guy. So that means Sampson has high praise for this guy, right? It's that simple. It's he heard good things from Rick. And so he thinks really highly of him. Um, he was supposedly in charge of the defense in the seven years at Tennessee. And that's really impressive because on top of putting out defensive-minded pros in his time there. Um, they've also had a really strong nationally ranked defense year in, year out, uh, as far as basketball goes. Now, the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator in basketball terms, a little bit looser than they are in football terms. But on the whole, if that's what his title was at the University of Tennessee, that's really, really impressive. And you see kind of bleed over into the effort. And I would argue like schematic intentions and what they do in East Carolina. They're not quite there. It's year one, right? It's year one of his you know, time there. But on, on the whole, I, I think that's a really impressive thing uh, for him to have done. And um, he, I guess, was with Barnes as far back as the Texas days, early, early on in my notes here. Um, it looks like he was a video coordinator at Texas, so he wasn't quite as involved in the defense. He was involved as an assistant coach and defense guy at uh, UTSA and then Miami, uh, Florida as well. On the roster, um, the name that jumped out to me <laughs> was a kid named R.J. Felton because, yes, that is the same family as Ray Felton, who was in the NBA for a long time. Um, now, it's, I think it's a nephew, not a son, um, but he's scoring 15 points per game. He's a 6'3 point guard, shooting 34% from three, um, like almost 35% from three. Really, really talented guard. But I think he's more of a Sasser matchup because he's not the true point guard. I also think that he seems to be a kind of guy as a guy that scores 15 points a game for them. If you can shut him down, you probably do pretty well. Um, the guy I think that Jamal Shedd covers, who I would normally put on a point guard, is uh, Javon Small. Now, Javon Small, I think, was one of the, one of the more crafty guys and it said they drive and kick. Um, Javon Small, even though he's 6'2", was the more likely of their guard to try and finish through contact and craftiness at the rim. Um, and so, you know, that's why I think Shed, the guy I put in front of him, is he's more likely to get his body in front in a different kind of way. I might also rotate Emmanuel Sharp in off the bench in front of him. We've seen Emmanuel Sharp grow up so much this year defensively. Sharp is really likely to like take charge on some of those different things. Um, so I think I want to put those guys on um, Javon Small. Um, and admittedly, this wing spot, um, I say wing spot, the next perimeter guy is a guy that kind of has been in flux for them. The last few games, they played a guy named uh, Quentin Dabunji. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. There's, uh, I'm sorry if I'm not. Um, he's a 6'5 guy. In some ways, since he's been in the starting lineup the last few games, he's been running more like the point. In some ways, because they have two other guards, like smaller guards, he's had to be more of a true wing I put Tremont Mark on him in my notes to start the game. I could see a number of different guys on him. Um, if we ever go to my giant lineup, I guess you could put uh, Jarris on him. But I think it's Tremont Mark to start. And frankly, um, 
you know, honestly, he's not the same kind of scoring threat as others. Um, and so he's a 7.2 points per game kind of guy. Um, even as a starter, his point, I mean, because when he was not a starter, he was still getting fairly decent amount of minutes. Um, he's not like a crazy score. He just kind of controls the game better than most. And again, they had high turnover games with high variance in the past. He's less of a toner prone kind of guy. So I'm not worried about him getting past Mark as a score. Um, not that Mark's a bad defender, just he's compared to two all everything defenders, I guess, frequently. So he's kind of the third out of three really good ones. Um, the other guy they played some, and if they were to go to more of an, a more traditional lineup that they had in the past, they've started Jaden Walker some. Jaden Walker will play a lot. Um, they kind of they both were playing one a little bit over, one a little bit under 20 minutes a game, depending on which one got to start. Right, um, Jaden Walker is not a bring the ball up kind of guy. He's more <laughs> of a spot up kind of guy. Um, Jaden Walker shoots the ball at just 30% from three shooting two attempts per game. And I wonder if his lack of impact at that end and kind of the, the two being a wash on defense is why they've slowly started to shift to Quentin Demunji starting. Um, regardless, that's the guy I see Tremont Mark covering because the interesting matchup here is a guy named, um, Brandon Johnson, he's 6'8", um, and frankly, with his long arms, he might play more like 6'9", 6'10", but he's also the team's best three-point shooter. Um, shooting the ball at, let me make sure I get this right, uh, 34% from three on four and a half attempts per game. Um, that's a really, really strong average for a guy that big and that long. Um, so I think what's interesting to happen there is I put Jarris Walker on him, and I'm thinking there athletically, it's a similar matchup. Big, strong guys, comfortable in the perimeter. Um, I want him on the ball a lot. So if there's any more downhill actions that are Brandon Johnson, and I think he's okay at them. They don't run very many of them to get him downhill, but I like him in those actions. So I could see how like if they have some success with, they might go to him more often. Um, and I would cut the success off there by putting Jairus Walker on him. But to be fair, Jarrett says in moments earlier in the season, primarily where he fouls three point shooters, this would not be the guy to do that on. <laughs> and so I could see if they needed to, you know, go to a double big, more traditional bigs lineup with Juwan Roberts at the four and then Cheney or Francis down low at the five. Um, you might put Juwan Roberts on him because maybe he's less likely to foul a jump shooter. Um, we've also seen Juwan Roberts get in foul trouble though, right? So maybe that's a tough matchup for Houston. I think if they figure that one out though, they're going to be okay because that's the unique guy to cover in this offense. Um, Ezra Usar is a 6'9", junkyard dog, mud in his blood type. Um, he's going to get a little over 20 minutes per game. He is more of a um, rebounding threat. Uh, I guess technically Brandon Johnson has noticeably more rebounds, but just as far as like things that they're good at, Ezra Usar, Ezra, uh, Usar is much more of like a his best talent is just playing hard. That's why in my initial starting lineup i put Juwan roberts on him um i could see that being a matchup that J reggie cheney thrives against i don't mean to say that he can't play and play a same amount of minutes there he will play obviously um but on the whole i could see that being the kind of thing where um Juwan roberts starts the game we'll see who's got the hot hand against that guy over the course of it who keeps him off the glass right um notable guard coming off the bench for them obviously whichever one either walker or uh, the bungee who you know, doesn't start. And then the other guy is a guy named uh, Caleb LeCount. Now Caleb LeCount um, is listed at five, eight. I bet he's five, seven, <laughs> right? Not a big guy. I'm um, super, super quick. Um, whenever he's in, I'm sure he'll get sharp or shed or arse, you know, I guess Sasser maybe, but I'd imagine it's more of the other guards. Cause I think Sasser will be on Felton quite often. 
Um, he is not a great three point shooter. And that's why, you know, at five listed five, eight, uh, as someone who's not a great three point shooter, he has a hard time getting in the basketball game because as much as he has high effort defensively, being a five, eight card, is really hard to be great defensively. Um, he's again, high effort does want to get in passing lanes. Does want to gamble, get the ball, um, understands that if he doesn't get the ball on the block, like in a steal, it's two points anyway, so you might as well gamble for it. Smart kid. He just being five, being five, eight's hard on defense. Um, but I, I think that in watching him play on the offensive side, you know, he's relatively low turnover for them. Now against Houston's defense, that might not be the case because Houston's got really tenacious guard play. So we'll see, but I could see him trying to be an impact on a guy just in trying to sell the team down, especially if other guys having current turnovers, if he steps in and kind of does a little bit more of game management kind of thing. Think like Trent Dilfer kind of guy, right? <laughs> like that kind of an aspect of a point guard quarterback. Um, all of that is to say that I think Houston will be very successful with this kind of stuff, just getting downhill, getting in the paint. Um, and and once they get to the paint, trying to get some more like drop off to the block kind of action. Um, I've talked about Jawan Roberts being in that Mike and spot and those kinds of things. They're going to try to run the, that pack line, regardless of how Houston's shooting. If you can get layups out of it, that kind of breaks the whole thing down. They got to change what they're doing a little bit. Um, and I don't know what they can do to stay in front of Houston if they do a more traditional defensive coverage. Um, I think it's going to be a fun, fun game. It's Saturday night. Uh, they're having a whiteout to be a crazy, crazy game for them. Um, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'll have a recap of the game up on Monday morning. I know that's not every day, but the next day is Sunday and it's a late Saturday night. And we all have family time and things to do. Um, but we will have the recap up on Monday morning, unless something crazy happens, I guess, then we have to record. If something crazy happens, it might be me crying on a recording, but we'll record and post on Sunday. But I, I bet the recap is up Monday. And um, we'll also be following the game live on my Twitter. So do, make sure you follow me at Painsworth to P A I N S W O R T H five one two for all things Houston Cougar football, basketball, Big Twelve expansion, uh, Rockets, Astros, sneakers, anything Houston sports. Find me at Painsworth five one two to talk about it. Thank you all so much for for listening today and making us your first listen of the day, even on a Saturday. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Find us on YouTube. We're just over seven hundred subscribers. Good work to the 700. When we get to 750, remember, we're doing a giveaway every 250 subscribers. And as we're doing that, uh, we're going to be giving away the Galen Robinson designed Letterman jackets for the Houston Cougars. It's got For the City on the back, a Cougar in the front, really, really cool jacket. Uh, we got a size XL giveaway. So make sure to subscribe down below. Then hit comment and like the video. That will we know who to give it to. Um, but when we get to 750, that is one of y'all. So make sure you hit seven, hit a subscribe button and get us to 750. Thank you so much for making us your first listen today. Again, uh, for a second listen, I'm going to recommend Locked on College Basketball. It's a big weekend in college basketball. Lots of really good games. Lots of primetime game slots. And Isaac and Andy done a great job getting you ready for it. I missed a bunch of other kind of crazy stories at like New Mexico state and Alabama and all kinds of stuff going on. So locked on college basketball has got all that for you. Indy nights do a great job and it's Cougar friendly. I promise. Remember locked on Cougs is the number one daily podcast on your Houston Cougars. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of locked on podcast network. Your team every day. Go Cougs.